Amen. Well, we're going to be dismissing here in just a little bit, a little shorter time than, than normal. And I want to just bring our focus for a moment uh, towards the word of the Lord and, and talk for a moment about this Independence Day. We, we celebrate when our nation um, uh, gains independence from, from England, right, from Great Britain. I saw a British flag on Facebook, and it said, uh, Happy Traitor's Day, right? And I can't remember, it said something else. You peasants. Yeah, happy Traders Day, you peasants. I had to chuckle a little bit because really we celebrate this day as Independence Day. They have to celebrate a loss, um, you know, all this time later. But how should we uh, celebrate our independence from sin, those of us who have come to know Christ and believe? When we think about independence, true freedom, what does the word say? Um, that the word shall what? Set you free. True freedom. Paul gives us the way in Ephesians 5 as beloved children to imitate God. That that's how we celebrate our independence from sin is to become more and more like Christ. This is the 4th of July, but the 4th celebrates the adoption of the Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776, and freedom from the cruel rule of the British Empire. But, it's, but we mark it now with barbecue, right, and fireworks and and uh, blocking off our parking lot, probably aggravating all the people that are used to being able to use our parking lot fireworks. And we'll welcome them here in a minute. But Paul is calling us to a similar celebration in this, in this passage today, to be imitators of God. He's saying that because of everything we have learned so far, the riches we have in Jesus in the heavens, the power we have in Jesus to overcome sin, the unity we are called to as brothers and sisters in Christ, the partnership we are to have in the gospel, the growth and building up of the church. Because of all that here in chapter 5, Paul says, celebrate your independence from sin. Listen, there's a lot of confusion as to what freedom is and what happens after this temporal life here. I've got a lot of military buddies that I've either known personally or through Facebook become acquainted with, and there's this trend of talking about Valhalla and being like the Vikings, you know, and, and, and that's what being a warrior is, is that they're looking forward to Valhalla, which which we know doesn't exist. And, and a lot of people have a false hope in freedom after this life. What freedom they don't afford it here after this life. But there is only one freedom that is truly uh, after this life, and that is eternal life in Christ. We don't shoot fireworks and have cookouts to celebrate. We, we follow the command, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. That's how we celebrate independence from sin. It doesn't mean we're totally independent, like we don't sin. That's not what we teach here. Um, you know, uh, earlier in traffic, going to visit Danny, doing a very, uh, you know, credible thing in the eyes of the Lord, somebody um, cut me off and it made me want to sin. It's where There's no bricks in this car? My wife doesn't keep a brick. I keep a brick. No, I don't keep a brick in my truck. <laughs> Tire iron, what? You know, what to get these people saved? Anyway. <clears throat> What does America need more than anything today? That Christians would imitate God. Let me just revisit some previous conversation for just a moment and and give you a little bit of what really angst me sometimes about the church trying to be political or trying to right wrongs through Facebook and social media is when we stand on our high horse and try to be political to right a wrong when really what the world needs is not a better president in the United States, not a better Congress, not a better, they need the word of God to lead their way. I just had a conversation with a distant relative recently who stands on a very opposite viewpoint 
uh, of me and a lot of things. And I keep quiet a lot because I know how it goes. But I just said, you know, of all this debate you're having, whether you're Democrat, Republican, whether you like Trump or Obama, whoever it is, all this debate, has any of them been able to solve the ultimate problem of man's heart being evil? Have they wiped out evil? Have they been able to even diminish it or has it grown through, through each decade? How do we see it? It's because we're trying to answer it with the wrong thing. It's independence from sin. It's the sin in man's heart that drives the evil. In fact, the title Christian found in Acts 11.16, Devin, uh, who is part of our uh, youth leadership team, uh, has drawn this uh, out several times to the youth that Christian, that title found in Acts 11.6, meant little Christ. So if we want God to bless America, then we can begin with blessing God by imitating. And why should we imitate God? We imitate God because of his clear command in Ephesians 5.1. That imitate comes from the Greek word, we get our word mime. And, and so we're commanded to let our actions speak the gospel and the grace of God. I was just telling my kids about a missions trip to Honduras where they speak Spanish. And a lot of us uh, North Americans are in Central America, we couldn't speak Spanish, but we could communicate through, if you were, like human video. And there was a, a skit called No Toque Picados means don't touch sin. And so you'd have a chair there and you'd, through the skit, uh, represent that as sin and somebody would come along and they'd be tempted to touch a chair and they'd touch it. And then they, they couldn't get loose of it, right? And more and more people, then people try to pull away and they get sucked into it. But then Jesus would come along and through touching them, they'd be released. And it communicated that imitating what truly happens in the spiritual realm, that through Christ we are freed from sin. Learning to be a speaker, a teacher, a storyteller uh, depend on three things. Theory, imitation, and practice. It, it's just like in Bible college. They have classes that teach you to preach, and you use others who have been accomplished preachers and their writings to learn how to preach. But the main part of training was study and imitation of the masters. Whether, no matter what art you talk about, no matter what you do, it's always following those who have been accomplished and imitators no one more accomplished than Christ in changing the heart of man. Paul's told us in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what beats in my heart when I stand before you and preach at any time. I don't have it all figured out. I fail in my attitudes many times because I am still uh, affected by sin in this world. But my heart beats to have people follow me as I follow Christ. Not for me to just be their leader, but if I can do anything to sh let Christ shine through me, then I want others to imitate that. The stuff where I mess up, forget that. But be an imitator. And we also imitate God because it pleases God. And, and we can see that. I won't read all of them tonight for time's sake, but Matthew 25, 21, John chapter 14, 2 Timothy 2, Hebrews 11. But Matthew 25, 21 says, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And I want to just talk for a minute to anyone who has not made a full commitment to Christ. You may even call yourself Christian, but you know by your walk and you know by your talk. You know, here's the thing. As I'm learning, not as a judgment from my side, but very quickly I can know if someone truly is in communion with the Lord. I mean, deep relationship, because out of their mouth those things come. It flows out. 
it, it's not like you could talk shop or whatever all day, but in that talk somewhere, they'll bring out the goodness of God and they'll talk about what he's doing in their life. And when that talk doesn't come out, hardly ever, you know that there's a deficit. Whether there's a total separation from God or thus that they are not communing with him, that he's trying to talk to them and they're not responding. And, and so in that, to be an imitator of God, you've got to be in communion with him, in communication. That's evidence in the family unit. The more time I spend away from my kids, guess who they start to imitate more than me? Mom. If I want a couple mama's boys, then I just would stay gone all the time, right? But eventually, for them to have an example of a godly man in their life, I've got to step into that role. Even when they've been in trouble and they're not necessarily wanting to imitate me because they're mad or whatever's going on, the simple fact of the matter is there'll be one day they'll be in a position of authority, maybe over their kids or in a job, where they're going to lean on that strength that I displayed them. And the righteousness of God, the discipline of God, is just as much to be imitated as the grace and mercy and love of God. That God will put you in places of authority. And so it says... When you've been faithful over little things, I will put you in charge over much. And that is about imitating God. What he's saying is, walk with me and take the baby steps. And, and maybe it's a matter of you just being faithful to a body of Christ and showing, Lord, I'll be faithful to you and being a part of the body you've planned me in. So I'll be there every time there's a church service so I can hear your word and grow. But then there's a time God says, you know what? You have talents and skills I've given you. Maybe you can build. And there's a church building going on. Maybe you can... Uh, maybe you've taught classes before, or you've a teacher or whatever it is. Maybe I could teach kids or teach children, and, and God's going to challenge you. And as you're faithful in those things, step by step by step, next thing you know, you're pastor in a church or a missionary, or you're a layperson in a business where you're leading people to Christ because of the way you lead your business, or you're a laborer in that business leading your boss to Christ because of the way you show really godly leadership that maybe that boss lacks because he doesn't have the Lord as an example. See, this is what we celebrate our independence from sin with. It's to be imitators of Christ. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So how should we imitate God? We imitate God by walking in love. We must have biblical and not a cultural definition of love. One of the biggest problems right now we have is a lot is based on emotion and the world's definition of fairness of how you should respond to sin in the world. If someone has a lifestyle that doesn't flow with what the Bible teaches that we should, is a sinful lifestyle, the world right now is going to say, to be fair, you cannot judge them or give them any direction because then you're being hateful. You've got to let them live how they want to live. But it's the exact opposite. It's how Satan twists it. If you love them, you'll bring God's word to them of hope of how they can be freed of that sin and be independent of the enemy's grip. If we don't care about what happens to people, then we don't love them. Whether it's the poor, the rich, the rejected, the disliked, the widow, the orphan, whoever it is. A parent shows their love to their children, not just through hugs, but through discipline. But they don't just show it through discipline, they show it through hugs and love and expressions of love and so as a christian and god showing it the same way to us sometimes we have to have tough love sometimes we have to show mercy and grace and compassion and that is how we imitate god all things to all people as paul said sometimes some people require you to be a little tougher and sometimes they require you to be very gentle and caring and loving and compassionate but feelings come and go Commitment is the glue that makes love last. 
1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. And so I just want to close our time in saying this. At New Song, or whether you're at First Baptist or any other church that really follows Christ, if they're Bible-believing, Christ-following church in this area, we're all in, in the same family. We have a Heavenly Father who the best way to show your independence from the enemy is to imitate what he does. The only way you can do that is to know him by his word and by communing with him. And so, believers, I challenge you, don't let days go by without thinking about how, you know, we've kind of made a mockery of the WWJD. What would Jesus do? Christian comedian says, actually, I bet you they made those bracelets because of John, his brother. Because think about after Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding, and then Jesus is gone. One day, John's at a wedding, right? I'm copying off of Michael Jr., Christian comedian. He says, and, and, and all of a sudden, they run out of wine, and everybody looks at John and says, Hey, John, what's up? You going to just stand there with your sandals on, or are you going to turn some water into wine? And John's probably thinking, I'm not, I'm not my brother, right? I, I, can't, I can't just work up what he did. But Jesus said we'll do greater things than he did. And so really what it is, it's not a matter of what we can and can't do. It's whether we're willing to try to follow him and be imitators of Christ. When the world looks at it and says, you say that you follow Jesus and he did this, but I don't see that in you. That's our challenge every day. Jesus, how would you respond? Let me look at your word. Let me pray and ask how I could respond. Right now in a few moments, we're hoping there'll be some more cars and people that we may not know pull into this parking lot to use the space. And what a better example for us to be, to really be talking right now and focusing our hearts on being imitators of Christ and let them see Jesus through us. If even just for a moment, it might be the only example of Jesus they've seen. And we might just win a brother or sister to the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray right now as we settle our hearts on your word, as fast as it was and as short a message it was, God, the truth is still there and working on our hearts as the Holy Spirit uh, is enabling. And so with every head bowed, I close. I first want to ask if there's anyone here that says, I need to make a commitment to follow Christ. I know in my heart that I don't have a relationship with Him and I need to make that right tonight so I can know without shadow doubt if I died tonight, if I on the way home or five years down, whatever it is, but I don't want to take a chance on missing my opportunity to be with Him for all eternity. I want you to raise your hand just for a moment so I can pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, we're going to pray for this one that raised their hand. And then if you raise your hand, I'm going to challenge you to talk to me after service. I want to make sure you have a Bible. I want to talk to you about baptism and about this new journey, this, this relationship with Christ. So let's pray. God, we just thank you and we pray as this one is making a commitment in their heart that, Lord, you help them to understand that we confess with our mouth, as the Scripture says, that you are Lord, that we are saved, that we, we believe in our heart that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross for our sins and that we've been forgiven when we ask for that forgiveness, that your grace is free, but we have to accept because you do not force us. We have free will. You don't force us to love you. But when we willingly choose, I want to love you, serve you, obey you. I want you to lead and guide me. When we do that, we know that your word says the angels rejoice. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and that we are yours and no one can pluck us from your hand. We could make the choice to walk away because we still have that free will, but, but Satan or no one here on this earth or any power or principality can pull us away from your hand when we've committed ourselves to you. And we just thank you for this life.
that is being changed at this moment. Lord, I, I pray against the enemy and try to convince this person that their, that their decision is light. But God, help them understand that you have orchestrated this very night for them. That you love them that much to do everything you can, Lord, to bring them unto you. And that they are now in the safety of your arms. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, bless you. And like I said, if you raise your hand, uh, talk to me after the service so I can make sure that you have everything you need. Um, all the support you need. Amen.